Welcome to Elevate Your Direct Sales Business with Kelly Northcott. I'm your host, Kelly Northcott, and I'm so glad that you're here. I've been in the direct sales industry for over 20 years. When I was in the field, I was a top performer and leader, and now I have a growing coaching business that helps direct sellers of all titles from all companies build businesses that they love. If you're a direct seller who wants to get more out of her business and have fun doing it, you're in the right place. Tune in each week to learn systems so that you can scale and grow, implement mindset principles and practices to get out of your own way, and get coaching to break through to new levels of your business. On a recent coaching call, someone was sharing the advice she gave one of her new downline. Her downline was asking how to increase her engagement in sales at her virtual parties. And the upline told her to talk to everyone. Talk to everyone at the party. Message everyone. Ask them questions about themselves. Ask them how they know the host. And ask them what their biggest challenge is in regard to the solution that your products offer. And Susie was surprised by this answer. She wasn't scared of it. She was surprised. And then she said that she would go ahead and do that. And Susie's surprise got me thinking that I bet there are a lot of direct sellers who would benefit from hearing this advice. It's such a simple concept, but most of you aren't doing it. I want to expand upon the advice and put it into context. Social media is great, and it's an amazing tool to grow your business, but most people aren't using it correctly. Successful direct sellers run their businesses with two things, principles and strategies. Strategies change with the times, the culture, and technology, but principles don't change. Principles are laws. The way you apply the principles can change, but the principles themselves don't. For example, direct sales is a relationship business, and that's a principle. That's true now, and it's always been true. You sell to people. You engage with people. Without people, you wouldn't have a business. How you sell and engage will change, but you still have to build relationships to have a successful business. How you engage with people in person is different than how you engage with them virtually, but the principle of building relationships is still the same. The principles behind selling and team building are the same no matter how you do it, but you'll adapt how you implement the principles, and that's what I want to talk about in this episode. I want to talk about how to use in-person strategies for a virtual business to build relationships. When it comes down to it, your business is just about having conversations. You have conversations to market, to teach, to sell, to recruit, and to train. Your business is about communication. When you communicate, you use words, you use your tone, your inflection, your body language, your eyes, facial expression, and your energy. When you communicate in person, the person you're engaged with can use all of those tools to interpret your message. When you communicate online, you're still using all of those tools, but the person you're talking to doesn't have access to everything and it's harder to connect with you, which is one of the reasons why communicating online is more difficult. Another reason is that the communicator forgets that all these tools play a role in their message, especially the component of energy. Even when they're not in front of the person they're communicating with, their energy still goes with the message. Your energy is everything and it's what attracts other people to you. You can say the right thing with the wrong energy and you'll attract the wrong person and get a result that you don't want. You can say the wrong thing with the right energy and attract the right person and get the results that you do want. When you understand this and use this principle, your virtual activities in your business will be much more successful. So let me break it down and give you some specific examples. At an in-person event, you will naturally introduce yourself as guests come into it. 
I would say something like, hi, I'm Kelly, the XYZ consultant. And then the person you're talking to will tell you her name. And then you can ask a general, easy to answer question like, how do you know the host? Or have you ever been to an XYZ party before? And you do the same at in-person vendor events. You greet the people who come to your booth and you engage with them. Doing this is a mindset practice, a sales strategy, as well as a connection piece. When you make it a point to meet everyone individually, you're taking on the identity of a successful direct seller and you're establishing authority and credibility. You need to make a connection and establish authority in your virtual parties too. A lot of you are letting people come into your virtual parties and your VIP group without greeting them or attempting to make a connection with them. Whenever you do something online, think about how you would do the same thing in real life and try to bring that experience to the virtual world. If your VIP group was a big room, you would be circulating throughout the room chatting with people, right? That's how you're going to make connections and that's why you have a VIP group. You wouldn't just sit in the corner and hope that people will come to you because it's your group. When someone joins a virtual party, your live or your VIP group, connect with them one-on-one as quickly as possible, just like you would do in person. You can send each guest a message either through text or video or voice. Keep it short and sweet. I would do something like, I'm Kelly Northcott, the XYZ consultant for the party. I'm so excited that you're here. And then I would ask a question about what you sell. For example, if you sell skincare, you can ask, I like to personalize my presentation to the group. And so I'm asking everyone, what would you like to improve about your skin? You could also ask something that's not directly related to your product, but would still tell you something about them, such as, on a scale of baby oil to SPF 50, what did you use on your skin most of your life? Make the questions super easy for them to answer. You don't want them to have to go look through their house to find something to show you a picture. You don't want them to have to write a whole paragraph. You just want them to answer in just a few words, and they shouldn't feel like they're making a commitment by answering it. What would you like to improve about your skin is almost on the line of being a little too much, a little too soon. But when you tell them that the reason you're asking is so that you can personalize the presentation, it softens it. It feels more like a survey. But don't give them a survey to answer right away. It's way too much and most people won't do it. Your goal isn't to get a certain answer. Your goal is to open up the private message conversation with the guest because if they reply to that message, they'll see your other messages. If you don't have a way to open up one-on-one communication and connect individually with each person, connecting with them is much harder as the party goes on. And if they leave without making a connection with you, in most cases, it will never happen. The next thing you should do at every party is an introduction. If you're doing this in person, you'd gather everyone around and do it at the start of your presentation. You'll tell them a little bit about yourself, your company, why you joined, why you stay, what they can expect from the event, and how to place an order. It's about a three-minute speech that has lots of host and join sprinkles in it, and it's very effective. Doing this at an in-person party is a warm-up for your presentation. You're leading with you, and the more your guests learn about you, the more they'll be able to connect to you. And this is a way to stand out from the other people in your company. At a virtual event, you can do the same thing. So you post a short video so that your guests can watch it as soon as they join the group. You can make it evergreen, meaning that you can use the same video for every party. You just want to keep it really general. So don't talk about the host name or don't talk about the particular season. You might redo the video every now and then when you have a catalog change 
or if you change your appearance drastically so that it always looks current, but the general content will still be the same. Your introduction sets the tone for the event. It allows you to use host and join sprinkles and it puts people at ease because they'll know what to expect from the event and how to place their order. And this is important because everyone does events differently and most people only go to a few a year. If you don't do an introduction, it's going to be much harder to add information about you during the presentation because everyone's going to be focused on the products. And then at the end of the event, they'll remember the products and not you. The connection to you is what makes someone a lifelong customer. When you're presenting the products, it should feel like a conversation and not like a slideshow of products. The products are the common thread between you and the guest. They're the conversation starters, and they can give you an opportunity to share more about you and learn more about your guests. If you're doing an in-person event, the guests will probably take a look at your display or browse through the catalog before you start the presentation. Your presentation, including the introduction that we just talked about, will take about 20 minutes, 30 at the most. If you apply the same concepts to your virtual parties, it makes sense then to have all the product posts in the party at the beginning of the party for when people join the group, and then do a live presentation a day or two into the party. And let me explain why. When I join a virtual party, I'll look through the post to get a feel for the product line. If I know that there's going to be a live, I don't prioritize being at the live, but I often watch at least part of the replay. If the presentation is well done, the direct seller is engaging, and it's not very long, I'll watch most of it, if not all of it. But if it's boring, or if I have to struggle to see what's happening or hear what the direct seller is saying, or if it's unorganized or long, I'm going to check out pretty quickly. But besides watching the replay, I don't usually seek out the group after my initial look. If posts come across my newsfeed and they seem interesting, I might click on the group to see what else is happening. But even if I do, I'm not going to read all the posts, especially if they're just about products, unless they're products I'm very interested in. But getting me back into the group is an obstacle because most posts aren't going to show up in my newsfeed and I probably forgot about the party. Direct sellers who do virtual parties tell me that the views per post greatly decrease as the week goes on. And that's because direct sales parties aren't captivating enough for people to come back to them again and again. And that's not an insult. That's just the way it is. People aren't spending as much time on social media as they used to. And when they are on social media, they're scrolling much faster than they used to before. So even if your posts are showing up in their newsfeed, chances are they're scrolling right past them because they know it's an offer. So it makes sense to have most of the product posts in the party as soon as guests arrive when their curiosity is the highest. And this is going to maximize the chances that they'll see everything. And this makes even more sense if you're posting things in an organized manner because the post will flow better. The post should be a warm-up for the live. So you might want to do 10 product or information posts, one or two host opportunity posts, one or two invitations to your VIP group, and an invitation to get more information about the join opportunity. I would let people into the group two days before I went live, and then during that time, I would expect them to watch the intro video and scroll through the information. I would be sending them a message, introducing myself, and telling them how they can get the most out of the event. Then I would go live, and if I were doing a lot of parties each week, I might even record a video of the demo and post that video. All throughout the live or the recording, I would tell stories and ask questions. 
I would also incentivize people withdrawing tickets to interact with the video and to message me. And then after the live, once a day throughout the rest of the party, I would pop in for a quick live or post something that addressed people's questions, just like you would do at the end of an in-person presentation. So let's say you sell something that needs to be clean. Then I would pop in and say, Susie asked how to clean blank. Well, let me show you. And then I would show them how easy it is to clean and why they want to do it that way. And I would let people know how they can ask more questions and remind them about the deadline to order. Every time I popped on live, it would give people another chance to see my face and connect with me. I would have another opportunity to pop in a host or join sprinkle and remind them to order. Then when someone orders, I would send them a thank you note or a message. I, of course, like the handwritten note, but at the very least, I would send them a personal message, thanking them for their order. And you probably would do that at an in-person party, but a lot of people don't do that at a virtual party. Instead, they do a public post thanking the person for the order. And I am not a fan of this, and I usually get pushback on this, so let me explain why I don't like this. It's no one's business what someone orders. If someone orders from Susie's party, but she didn't order on Mary's party last week, Mary's going to be ticked. When you shop at Target, the cashier doesn't yell, woohoo, thank you for shopping at Target. I know you're going to love your ABC. And when you do an in-person party, you don't stand up and yell, thank you, Susie. Thank you for ordering on Mary's party. You take her order, you thank her for the order, and then you send her a follow-up thank you afterwards. If this is your practice and someone's considering joining and she's watching the group to see how many people order and you only post a few times, she'll assume that there were only a few sales at the party. And if you miss someone, her feelings could be hurt if she likes to be called out for everything that she does. A personal private thank you is better than a public one. There are other ways to present social proof that people are buying. One way is to do a post or go live and say something like, you guys are loving the ABC. And if you're thinking about getting it, you might also want to get the one, two, three, because it's going to help you get faster results. Another thing you can do is a top five list of things that people love. So you could do this as a post, or you could just go live and say something like, if you're trying to narrow down your list of what to get, here are the top five things that people are ordering right now. If you have enough data from a party, then do it for that party. So you can say, here are the top five things that people are ordering on Susie's party. If you don't, then you can just say, here are the top five things that people are ordering right now. A lot of websites sort products by popularity, and it helps people who are new to your products make decisions. Another thing you can do at your virtual parties is give people a deadline to order. This is natural at an in-person party because most people order before they leave. And if they don't, they're not offended by a follow-up message. So do the same at your virtual parties. And the deadline is an easy reason to reach out to people who haven't ordered yet. This deadline reach out is much easier to do if you've sent messages to the person prior to this one. Don't worry that they didn't respond to your previous messages. Your connection messages that you send at the beginning of the party have two purposes, one to connect with people And the second purpose is so that your first message to someone is not an offer. If you were at an in-person party and there wasn't a line of people to place their order anymore because most people already went through the line, but there were still people at the party, you would probably touch base with each person who hasn't ordered yet. And you would go up to them and say, did you want to go ahead and place your order tonight? 
or should I touch base with you by Monday? And they're either going to place their order or they're going to say something like, oh, I want to go ahead and look through the catalog some more. And then you can say something like, great, contact me if you have any questions and I'll touch base with you on Monday if I don't hear from you before that. Then on Monday, contact them and say, Susie's party is closing. Let me know if I can help you with your order or answer any questions. And then, of course, include the link. Do the same with your virtual events. You can make group announcements, but those announcements aren't going to show up in most people's newsfeed. So I would individually message everyone the same message. Susie's party is closing. Let me know if I can help you with your order or answer any questions. And then include the link to Susie's party. And this message is much easier to send if you've already sent connection messages, asking them how they know Susie or welcoming them to the group or asking them a question about whatever your product does. When you do your product presentation in person, people see your face and they hear your voice. You're talking about the features and benefits of the products and you're telling them your experience of using them, which are usually stories. And this allows people to connect with you. You're not just holding up a product and say, this is such and such product and reading the product description from the catalog. But a lot of you are posting that kind of thing in your parties. So when you post about the products at your virtual parties, do the same. Talk about your stories, create connections and use your posts as a connection piece. So do this instead of copying and pasting someone else's posts. And when you're telling stories and talking about your experience, It's not hard to do that. It's not hard to come up with your own posts. Each post is an opportunity for people to connect with you and your products. When you copy and paste someone else's posts, they're not going to connect with you. And people don't connect with products, they connect with people. Copying and pasting someone else's posts or your company graphics isn't going to help people connect with you. Before we had social media, way back in the olden days, when I started my business, You had to actually talk to people using your own words. You didn't go to a party, pop in a VHS videotape of someone else doing a party, or read someone else's script. You talked. You might have watched a video of someone else doing a party to get the feel for it, and you might have used your upline's outline, but you're the one who came up with the words, and you're the one who interacted with the people. I think copying and pasting is the biggest inhibitor to success for direct sellers right now. Yes, copying and pasting is easy, but it's so ineffective. Baking a cake from a box is easy too, but it doesn't teach you how to bake, and the result is greatly inferior to a cake made from scratch. Is it good enough in a pinch? Maybe, in some cases, but no one's going to build a bakery business by using cake mixes. You have to learn how to sell. You have to learn how to communicate and engage with people. You have to learn how to create content, evaluate what's working and what's not working, And most importantly, you have to learn how to put yourself out there. Copying and pasting isn't even a crutch. It's a hindrance to your success. You will struggle to promote and build a team if this is how you're going to do it. And if you do manage to get to a leadership title, you're never going to get past the first level leadership because you're not going to know how to train your team. I would challenge you to find me one top leader who copies and pastes someone else's stuff, but I don't want you wasting your time looking. If this is what you're doing, and if this is what you're training, then stop. It's not serving you, and it's not serving your team. And the same goes for copying and pasting your post on social media. And while we're talking about social media, if you're waiting for people to come to you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Two to five percent of your posts are showing up in people's news feeds, 
And if you're copying and pasting them or just posting product images, that percentage decreases. If you didn't have social media, you wouldn't put a sign up on your front door that you sell XYZ and expect people to come to you to buy your products. You would tell people that you sell it by talking to them. You would invite them to a demo or to an open house. You would reach out to them and follow up by sending them an email or calling them up, but you wouldn't wait for them to come to you. This is one of the things that I teach in Energize. I teach you how to get comfortable reaching out to people and how to put yourself out there. When I joined Direct Sales, I was a shy extrovert. I liked being around other people, but it was hard for me to initiate conversations with people I didn't know. Everyone who met me thought I was so quiet until they got to know me. I didn't have social media when I joined. We barely had email. Back in the day, families shared email addresses and most people didn't check it on a regular basis. So if I wanted to talk to someone or tell someone about what I was selling, I had to call them up. If I wanted to be successful, I had to get over myself and initiate conversations. I had a choice of being shy or being successful, and I chose success. It was hard. It was uncomfortable, but I wasn't going to wait for success to come to me because it wasn't coming. Reaching out and initiating conversations is how I became a top producer and leader. If I had social media when I was first building my business, I probably would have used it like most of you are using it because it seems less scary and easier. And I would have been frustrated with my results like a lot of you are. My upline was very direct and she was more concerned about my success than about my feelings. She would have pulled me aside and she would have been very blunt with me and told me to stop hiding behind posts and stop waiting for people to come to me. I know it's uncomfortable to put yourself out there, but I think it's more uncomfortable to not make the progress that you want to make so you can reach your goals. You get to choose your cause of being uncomfortable. Overcoming fear empowers you. Wishing and waiting for results to come to you causes resentment. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss anything. And if you haven't already, leave a five-star review and tell your friends about the podcast. If you have any questions about anything you heard on this episode, or if you have a topic you want me to talk about, send me a DM. I'm at Kelly D. Northcutt on Instagram, and I love to hear from you and celebrate your success.